Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, University Church family. It's such an honor to be sharing God's Word with you today as we continue our series, Embraced, Responding to God's Love. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Victor Hugo's Les Mis remains one of the most powerful stories of God's love ever written. It begins as we follow the main character, Jean Valjean, as he's arrested for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his family. After 19 years in prison, he's finally paroled and as he's looking for shelter, no one will take him in except the bishop in the town. And the way that he repays this bishop's hospitality is by stealing his silverware and fleeing into the night. The next day, he's caught by police and brought back to face the bishop. To Valjean's shock, the bishop protects him by telling the police that the silverware was a gift. And then he begins to scold him by saying, but you didn't take the candlesticks as well. Once the police leave, the bishop looks Valjean in the eyes and says these words, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. God has raised you out of darkness. I have saved your soul for God. Candlesticks in hand, Valjean is overwhelmed by this act of mercy, an act that would change his life forever. After wrestling with God in prayer that night, he responds by saying, another story must begin. It's the turning point in his life with the rest of the book, recording his response to God's love as incarnated through the bishop's actions. I believe that's where we find ourselves here in Romans 5, at a turning point in the gospel that Paul is preaching to his Roman audience. Paul begins with the God of creation whose glory should be evident to all. He takes us through the depths and despair of human sin and fallenness, and then the saving work of Jesus who justifies us to God through faith. Now in chapter five, Paul shifts from describing how God's grace justifies all who have faith in Jesus to describing the benefits this grace produces. But there is a shift here. And our Wesleyan heritage helps us articulate this shift in how God's grace works in our lives Yet, it's all grace. But we have three ways of describing this work, three ways of dividing it when we say God's prevenient, God's justifying, and God's sanctifying grace. First, prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is that grace that draws us to God, a grace that seeks to awaken our hearts. Paul says in Romans 2 that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Wesley described prevenient grace as the porch of a house. It is where we prepare to enter. Next, there's justifying grace. We talk of justifying grace as the assurance of forgiveness of sins that comes from repentance, from turning towards God's gracious gift of a new life. It's being reconciled and realigned with God and accepting all that God has done through Jesus. Justifying grace is a doorway into the house of God's salvation. 
God reconciles us to himself. He adopts us into his family, and he calls us a beloved sons and daughters and incorporates us into the body of Christ, the church. Finally, there's sanctifying grace. Here in Romans 5, Paul begins to describe God's sanctifying grace as God's freely given presence and power to restore the fullness of God's image in the life of each believer. Wesley's understanding of grace moves beyond forgiveness and acceptance of our identity as beloved children of God. God's goal for humanity is a complete restoration of the divine image and the conformity of all creation to the image of Christ. Sanctification denotes the process by which the believer is made holy and whole. The believer is made holy and whole in response to justification. If provenient grace is the porch of the house of grace, and justifying grace is the doorway into the house, then sanctifying grace represents the rooms and the expansive dwelling of God where his presence is with and for humanity. The turning point depicted here in Romans 5, 1 through 11, is from the work of justifying grace that reconciles, as described in Romans 3:21 through the end of chapter 4, to the work of sanctifying grace that empowers and restores, beginning here in chapter 5 and moving all the way through Romans 8. Hugo captures this moment when Valjean closes his prayer with, another story must begin. He's been saved and yet there's something happening. There's something more that's beginning. To use Wesley's analogy, Paul is describing the benefits that await the faithful when they take their first steps through the doorway into the house of grace. So what are the benefits of justification that Paul is describing here? What is this new that is coming? Or to use Hugo's words, what precious silver are the justified given to begin another story? A story marked and continued in God's grace. Paul says it this way, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, first, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. About 10 years ago, my sister and her husband started hosting our annual Christmas gathering on their property east of Austin. Each year, we gather for three plus days at what my kids have called cousin camp. The first year we were there, my twin and I found ourselves, the last two, at the fire pit each night. And on the last night together, something amazing happened. We got right with each other. We both decided that we had wasted too much time and we talked through every issue we could think of, some of them going all the way back to high school. By the time the sun came up, we were good. I mean, we were really good, like so good that when I saw his name on my phone or in an email, I got excited, excited instead of wondering, what is it this time? For the first time in 20 years, we were at peace. I believe that we all want peace in our human relationships. Partners, kids, parents, sibling, family, friends, colleagues, you name it. More than that, though, I believe that we want peace with God. Did you hear what Paul started with? Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for all our sins so that we could be good with God. Jesus signed the peace treaty with his own blood to end this war of enmity with God. 
For all who have faith in Jesus, you don't have to worry about what God thinks about you. Jesus settled it on the cross. When it comes to what God thinks about you and God, you're good. You are accepted. You are loved. There is peace. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. And next, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. During our last year in seminary, Key was a festival director for ICTHUS, the country's original Christian music festival. As her spouse, I was given a special pass that allowed me access to any part of the festival that I wanted to be at. Backstage, green room, speaker's tent, and the catering tent. It was awesome. And it was all because of who I was related to. As those who have put their faith in Jesus, we have been given a special pass as well. A special pass through his blood. And when we are justified, we are adopted as God's children. We become part of God's family. By grace, we are welcomed into God's presence. And this access is not just a one-time event. It's a 24-7, 365-days-a-year pass that gives us admission into the vastness of God's love towards us. Like Paul said in Ephesians 3, 18-19, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We have access to all of God's love for us. Because God's great desire is to be in fellowship with each of us, you and me. God created humans to be in relationship with us, and now Jesus has made a way for that to become a reality. Our response is to say yes to this invitation every day of our lives. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have obtained access through this grace in which we stand. And next, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Growing up, I learned pretty early that my, when my mom said something, it would happen. As a single parent, she struggled to keep up with all the sports, activities, outings, and camps that we wanted to go to especially the ones that cost money. As a parent now, I know they all cost money. Back then, we would plan as a family, but she would ultimately make the decision. But I knew if she said yes, it was going to happen. She always found a way to keep her word. What I didn't truly comprehend at the time was how much she sacrificed to say yes to us. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God. In the same way, we can be certain that God will keep his word to us. Paul called it hope, yet that doesn't always translate into how we think of hope today. There is nothing wishy-washy about the hope God has in the future that God has promised. It's a guarantee. What gives Paul this confidence? The fact that Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could be brought home to God, and the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's what Peter called a living hope in 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. With our God who keeps his promises, 
all things are possible. God's word is guaranteed. God's love will make all things new. We will see God's kingdom come and it will be glorious. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have obtained access to the grace in which we stand. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God and next, we can rejoice in our suffering. Anyone who's read the book and seen the play knows that Valjean goes on to lead a perfect life. Big house, big job, perfect family, happily ever after, right? No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. His life was marked by suffering and losses, yet we see him living out another story, a story of grace in spite of it. His story reflects that the gospel that uplifts, challenges, and shines through in a world that is doing everything to stamp it out. And yet Valjean endures. And in his, in his enduring, his character is tested and proven over and over again. And through the example of his character, he discovers a hope that not only sustains him, but gives life to others around him. And through it all, Valjean shows mercy to others as he, is, as he was shown by the bishop so many years before. He embodies what Paul writes about when he says that we rejoice in our suffering. He says this, and not only that, but we boast also in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul is convinced that if God proved his love for us by dying for us when we were sinners, God is not going to give up on us when the going gets tough. In fact, Paul finished this thought in Romans 8 when he says that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not your layoff, not your separation, not cancer or COVID, not your mistakes, not that person that has it in for you. Nothing. God's love will never let go. God's love will never leave us. You know, Jesus never promised that we wouldn't suffer, but he did promise to be with us. And in John 16, Jesus says this, I've said to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will face persecution, but take courage, I have conquered the world. We suffer, and yet the conqueror of the world is with us. And in John 17, 15, Jesus said, to, as he was praying to God, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. No, those who have faith in Jesus will never escape suffering, yet God's love will not abandon us and can even transform our suffering to bring about good. In many ways, Valjean had experienced the hard-earned truth that Joseph told his brothers at the end of Genesis. Afraid that Joseph would finally take revenge on them for selling him into slavery now that their father was dead, they couldn't see any upside in what Joseph suffered at their hands. 
But do you remember what he said to them? What you meant for evil, God has used for good. For those who are justified, we can even rejoice in our suffering as we experience God's loving, providing, sustaining presence. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances, as we become confident that God will surely sustain us to the end. As Hebrews 12, 2 says, he is the author, the sustainer, and the finisher of our faith. He will never let us go. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we can rejoice in our sufferings. And yet, there's still much more. At the end of Les Mis, with Valjean close to death, surrounded by Cosette and Marius, I noticed something on the chimney, the candlesticks. Seeing them reminded me of the time when he stole the bishop's silverware, and yet he was given much more than he ever expected when the bishop gave him the candlesticks as well. Those candlesticks, they speak to this final thought that Paul is trying to make here in Romans 5. The candlesticks are both a reminder of the day his life was redeemed by God's love and a symbol of how he responded to that extravagant, much more nature of God's love that Paul is writing about. Listen to these verses again. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we rejoice. We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Thank God that we have been reconciled through faith in Jesus Christ. Yet that is not all God has for us. We follow one who has much more in store for all those who have been justified by the blood of Christ. Paul uses this phrase much more a lot in the rest of Romans. The question I found myself asking is, how much is much more? I want to suggest Paul helps us understand the scope of God's love here with what he wrote in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who by the power at work with the, within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. Let me read that again. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more all than we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but I have a pretty active and creative imagination. Yet Paul's words here make me think that we have only scratched the surface of God's love, his much more love towards us. We grasp for silverware, and God wants to give us the candlesticks as well. We cannot imagine things ever changing, yet God desires to write another story with our lives. It's time to take a deeper step into God's grace and to see where it takes us. Will you join me? Pray with me. God, we come today to say thank you for saving us. Thank you for making us right with yourself. Thank you for doing what we couldn't. And God, I ask that this peace that Jesus promised would rest on every heart listening to this sermon today. 
that they would know that they are right, that they are good with you. Maybe for the first time ever. And God, I would ask that you would give us courage, you would give us strength to walk deeper into this much more nature of your love towards us and to, towards this world. Help us to step into your house. Help us to step from justifying grace into the sanctifying grace that will begin to create a new, another story in us that will not only make us whole, Lord, but would heal and restore the world around us. Let our lives be a story that tells of your grace, of your transforming, healing, restoring grace. Change us. Shape us. Make us more like your son. We pray this in Christ's name. As we pray the prayer, he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Remember that we love you that we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you and we hope to see you soon.